no one suspected this man named Brian Koberger, who went to a different college in a different town in a different state 15 minutes away until they saw this really shady white Elantra driving three or four times around the house. You would think that if someone committed a murder, they would maybe try to be more discreet. Exactly. That was the first thing he did wrong. R-O-T-N, let me present to you the Rotten Podcast. The Rotten Podcast. How do you want me to say it? Rotten. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, guys. What is freaking up, you guys? We're in episode nine of the Rotten Podcast. We are back. Yes, we are. It is officially 2023. New Year's resolutions going strong for everyone, I hope. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting week. Been really stormy and rainy and weird, and I've been a little sick. I'm sure you could hear in my voice. But yeah, no, the resolutions are going great. It's funny because going to the gym, there are so many people that are showing up at the gym and it's so <laughs> annoying. Andrew and I always talk about it. I think it's a it's a great time to reassess and set goals, but it just goes to show like my New Year's resolution last year I'm still working on, which is like being in the gym and stuff like that. Speaking on like everyone's goals for 2021 being weight loss or actually every single year everyone has the goal of losing weight we should talk about ozempic because ozempic has been this huge drug that is getting a cult following especially on tiktok and i don't know if you're aware of what the drug is it's a diabetes medicine right yeah so it's a medication that was fda approved for diabetes and it's become popular because people are implying that the Kardashians, especially Khloe and Kim Kardashian, are using it. And that is why they've lost 
so much weight recently. And if you guys have seen the before and after photos, especially of Kim Kardashian, she has lost so much weight recently to the point where people are like, it must not all be natural. And I studied a lot about this because I was really interested in it because I know people have been talking about it so much. Ozempic is a semi-glutide and it is only FDA approved for diabetic people. And Wagovi is the same exact medication underneath a different name, but that is approved for weight loss. And both are kind of interchangeably used for the same exact thing. And Ozempic is diagnosed in smaller doses, while Wagovi, because it's for weight loss, is diagnosed or prescribed in higher doses. But people are getting pissed off that people are using it because right now there's a shortage of semi-glutides. Yeah, I was reading through some stuff about this and it's and it seems like there's a lot of people who aren't able to get the medicine that they need because all these other people are trying to get it for weight loss. Yeah. And that's where there's a lot of backlash against the Kardashians, right? For using it and There is no hard evidence that Kim Kardashian or Chloe is using it. It's just doctors are talking about this is becoming a drug that celebrities and influencers are using and so then they're talking about it. So it's And of kind course of the assumed. Kardashians get the the blame for it. Yes. And honestly, I mean, I feel with the Kardashians, anything is possible. I mean, nothing surprises me, I guess. The way that they've completely shifted their bodies and all the work that they've done on themselves, I'm sure they would take a medicine to lose weight. Well, the craziest thing is that their BMIs are so low that they shouldn't have never been on these drugs. So with Wagovi, you're only allowed to have it if your BMI is over 27 which is heavily overweight or obese. And neither of Kim or Chloe are heavily overweight. So it's crazy that they've been prescribed this allegedly. Yeah, well, we don't know if they have been. Yeah, but yeah. I was looking at, at, at into some of this stuff and they are actively being called out for it, right? So mm -hmm. they've actually been making claims against how they're not doing it. Yeah. And uh, I know that Chloe, for example, she's been like really dedicated with working out in, in the gym so I don't even think all of it could be, you know, attributed to this medication because mm -hmm. I think she's actually working out really hard from what I've seen at yeah. least. And I don't know. I don't pay too much attention to what the Kardashians are doing. I mean, I think it's helpful that, you know, some people are learning about it because of the Kardashians. Like, I'm sure there are overweight people who actually want this drug and are attracted to this drug. With your story of losing weight. I'm sure you losing over 100 pounds was not easy either. And if you were to be 280 pounds or how many pounds you were like 15 years ago, would you have used this drug if you had learned about it? I mean, that's a good question. Would I have if it was like if it was presented in front of me? Maybe I would have definitely taken it. I guess my first thought is I would have taken it with the intention of using it as a catalyst to get kickstarted mm -hmm. while I continued to get into a routine and live more of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. You know, you're talking about this. I'm still on a weight loss health journey. And I think a lot of people are on everyone's on a, you know, their own health journey. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important because people don't realize how hard it is to keep the weight lost or the weight off, mm -hmm. you know, losing weight is one thing, but keeping it off is so much harder. Yeah. And I've seen so many people go up and down and I resonate and relate to people when I see them struggling with this or when I see people losing weight or when I see they're in this really good routine and pocket. I've been learning through this journey. It's really bad to cut anything out of your lifestyle and learn to live a more moderated life. 
I love that you're saying that. Like, I I love that you're saying that because I feel like for a while there, I was leading you into that direction of being like, no, like, it is okay to eat unhealthy food just because mm -hmm. I know how healthy you love to eat. But I but it goes back to what I've been saying, which is if you cut cheeseburgers out of your diet, you're going to eventually want a cheeseburger. So it's actually not sustainable to completely cut them out. So if you know that you cannot limit what you're eating, then you have to change other factors about your lifestyle. It might not be what you're eating, but it might be how you're eating in how much. And so that's why for me, fasting and eating under a certain amount of calories is definitely helpful because it allows me to not have any limitations with what I eat. Now that doesn't mean I don't eat all day and then all of a sudden I eat a bunch of Oreos, which of course would work for me to lose weight. But I think that by allowing yourself to be able to have pizza, to be able to have things you know, that's the only way you're going to be able to have a sustainable diet and health journey, you know, and that's why I think it's so crucial that people need to realize it's not necessarily all about what you're eating, but it's about the intention behind what you're eating. And again, you can't restrict your diet. So if you know you can't restrict your diet, then you're going to have to restrict something else. If you're in a spot where you're not happy with your health, then there's going to be some work you're going to have to do. There's going to be some modifications you're going to have to make. If it's not to what you're eating, then it's going to have to be to how you're eating. Yeah. And for everyone who's looking at Ozempic being like, oh, my God, this is a miracle drug. There are a lot of side effects to it as well. So some of the side effects that I've researched about Ozempic is that not only does it help you lose fat, it also makes you lose muscle, Ooh. which is insane for a lot of men. For girls, I don't think they care as much as men do, but like men don't really want to lose muscle. And I'm this is a very broad like assumption that men don't want to lose muscle but in a clinical study for ozempic when candidates lost 20 pounds 10 of those pounds was fat and the other 10 pounds was muscle so it was bad yeah i would say i think it's safe to say majority of men do not want to lose muscle mm -hmm. yeah facts yeah but also on top of that what people don't understand and back to my journey and even why this i think is so applicable and relatable is that it took me the longest time to realize that building muscle and lifting weights is actually the most effective way to lose weight. A lot of people spend so much time doing cardio and they think by getting their heart rate up and sweating, they're losing weight. But actually, you're not burning any more calories after you do, after you do cardio. Mm -hmm. And the best way to lose weight is by burning more calories than you're consuming. And the best way to burn calories is by building muscle. And, and back to this medication... One thing that I've learned in the past couple of years, which is crazy, we're not taught these things about the human body, but maintaining muscle requires a lot of energy for your body. By building muscle, not only are you burning calories to build it, but you're actually burning a lot of calories to maintain it. So by taking this medication, if you're not only losing fat, but you're losing the muscle, you're actually losing the thing that's helping you keep weight off in a sustainable format. Yeah. So that's why this medication sounds like it's a terrible thing for people to be doing. It's a classic quick fix. It's what everybody always wants to take a pill, 
lose weight, but then where you left after you actually do that. That's the bigger conversation. I think it's great for people who are heavily obese. They can afford to lose a little bit of muscle and a little bit of fat. Yeah. But for those of us who kind of look like you and I. But I think we're having this conversation because we're not talking about the obese people that need it. We're talking about the people People that are abusing this. Mm Because it's a quick fix and it's an easy out for them to lose weight in, yeah. in, in a quick way. So how Ozempic works is that it actually increases insulin production. It also helps decrease your appetite and it slows down digestion in the GI tract. And so what happens when you get off of Ozempic in the clinical studies where they gave them a placebo after like eight weeks on Ozempic, they ended up gaining 6% back of their weight. So pretty much what this clinical study showed is that Ozempic actually works for what it's intended for because the placebo did not work. So people who are, you know, feel like they're stuck losing weight because they've been in a calorie deficit or whatever, and they're not losing more weight, Ozempic will actually help you lose weight. But the second you're off of it, you will gain back your weight. So it is a long-term medication and it's also expensive. So I looked it up. If you are paying out-of-pocket expenses for a Zempic, it is roughly $170 to $340 a week. And it is weekly shots you have to give yourself either in your stomach or your thigh. And so what happens is that a lot of insurance won't actually cover Ozempic for people that are not heavily overweight because it's intended for diabetics or Wagovi is intended for people who are heavily overweight. So if you don't look like someone who is heavily obese, you will have to pay over $1,000 a month, depending on what your dosage is. Sadly, people will definitely do that. But it, yeah. it goes back to, you know, once you get off this medication, you're just going to gain all the weight back. So it's not long term. Yeah, It's not long term. And that's, you know, people... A lot of people think, oh, if I just go through this period of dieting to lose weight, then I'll be able to maintain and keep it off. That is the biggest misconception that's hard for people is that it takes serious life changes with not only your relationship with food, but your relationship with fitness Mm -hmm. and finding a way where you can have a sustainable diet that you enjoy. Do you remember what made you want to lose weight? Yeah, I wasn't getting the pussy that I wanted to get. Oh, my God. Like, actually, is that really why? I mean, that was kind of part (laughs) of it, for sure. I was, like, kind of, like, you know, friend-zoned by a lot of women that I wanted to get with in high school. Were you at least, like, the funny kid then? Yeah, I was, like, funny. I had really good relationships with them Mm -hmm. and people, you know. I had, like, game. Um, (laughs) People would tell me, be like, yo, how do you, like, talk to, you know. But, again, that came out of the the necessity (laughs) to have to step up in those areas because, my looks was not doing it at the time. And I just remember after a bunch of stuff that was going on in my life and in my family in 2008, when I was a junior in high school event, that was when I was the heaviest. Mm-hmm. So it was coincided with the most traumatic life experiences at the time for me, which is no surprise. And after that period, when I was starting to graduate high school, I think the reality sat in where I'm like, I'm very overweight and I want to feel better about myself Mm -hmm. more than anything. It was, yes, it was of course to get with women, Yeah, but that fell under the umbrella of wanting to feel better about myself and reach my potential is how could I reach my potential if I wasn't even healthy? Yeah. How did you go about losing weight? Cause you've actually, you know, you say you struggle with keeping it off still, but you had lost 
over like 120 or 30 pounds, right? Because you said no, your not lowest was 140 pounds. I think my lowest was 148 and I was 270. Okay. So yeah. 120 pounds. Yeah. So how did you go about initially losing that weight? Because I think it was gradual for sure. I think I dramatically lost 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. I also think it was correlated to me being 18 years old and I think my body was changing a little bit. So it was a lot easier for my body to lose weight. So the first like 30, 50 pounds was, it came off pretty natural when I just started being way more health conscious with what I was eating. Okay. And then after that, I just started working out a lot Yeah. and doing all the things that I, I don't do today, which is cardio yeah. and not a lot of weightlifting and eating insanely clean. I went on this whole expedition as far as looking into like how okay if I want to lose weight how do I eat the best I just got so fed up and so full of shame and guilt that I was willing to eat whatever I had to eat so what did you lose weight so I researched at the time and I found this super random video that was like 30 minutes the video was talking about how eating superfoods was a really good catalyst to maximize what you're eating, you know, because we know that not all calories are the same because if you eat an apple and you eat something of the same calories that's unhealthy, it's obviously going to be better for your body to eat the apple because you're getting nutrients and you're doing stuff that's better for your health long term. I mean, it depends. An apple is also really high in sugar. So for a diabetic, an apple isn't good. That's just just an example, obviously. So I found this article because the video was saying, eating superfoods will help you gain, will help you lose weight and be way healthier. So I literally Googled, what is a superfood? And I wrote down a list of all the superfoods. It was 10 or 12. And I went to the grocery store and I'm, I'm buying all these and this is all that I'm going to eat. I don't remember That's the- all you ate? Pretty much for so the most part. you pretty much lost weight a very unhealthy way, it sounds like. That wasn't sustainable at all. It wasn't sustainable, but it's things that I've, uh, I, it's good information that I learned throughout the process And I actually found so much enjoyment in cooking, in being healthy. And I think people that are super health conscious also find a lot of value and fulfillment with eating healthy and with adding the right fruits and vegetables. You feel good when you're eating clean. And so I was eating like beans, red peppers, eggs, quinoa, lean meats like chicken, turkey, almond butter, which isn't a superfood, but... I just went on this whole health, organic, whole foods um, sort of journey. How long did it take you to lose all that weight? A year or two. There was a big chunk that I lost at first. And then when all of my friends came home from their first semester away from college, that was also sort of the motivation for me. I'm like, oh, when everyone gets back, I'm going to be looking good. And I just remember that people were like, holy shit, you lost so much weight. You look so good. So when did you get your first pussy after losing weight? Like, was it soon after you lost weight or did it take a few yeah. years? It was pretty soon. <laughs> it didn't take that long. I mean, I, I had all the other things. You, how old were you when you lost your virginity? I've never, I don't know this about you. When did you lose your virginity? 19 or 20. So after you lost weight. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 100%. I like I sure. said, this was the part of, you know, and I'll never forget too. like later the, the following summer, I remember a friend's mom was like, oh my God, Matt, that is like, one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my life. And I just remember getting compliments and getting this praise. (laughs) 
sorry. That is so uncomfortable. Why? It's like a, only because she's a female. Like maybe it's less comfortable. But I was thinking about the opposite in my head just really briefly. If like Sammy actually told me this story. Dad said that about me. I'd be like a little weirded out. But like because if, yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah the the gender dynamic yeah. for sure mm-hmm. playing out. And I remember Sammy was the one to tell me it was one of her friends that I grew up with. Yeah. Her mom was the one who said it. And for me, I was just getting all these compliments and praise. And so I just felt, I felt so good about myself for the first time. I've always had confidence. So it was never something I really, I guess I suppressed it for sure. Cause I'm like, I could be so much happier and better, but I always had confidence in um, belief in myself Mm -hmm. and was always proud of who I was, even though I was overweight. And so it was just adding to that. And I just felt even better about myself. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember for me, like that first time feeling like I was pretty with my family, because I've told you this story before, how mm-hmm. I was pretty much the ugly duckling in my entire family. My two older sisters were growing you up. You say that, but I look at all the, f- the the baby photos and you're such a cute kid. I was a cute kid. And then I went through like a really ugly duckling. You duck. say that, but I don't, I doubt it. We will it. post photos right here. I went through an ugly phase, like a serious, like I had a, a huge RBF resting bitch face i was super super tan as well and just like was a tomboy i really was a tomboy at one point just played basketball all the time with my friends did all the tomboy stuff and i remember like being in like i don't know elementary not elementary a little bit older middle school where my my aunts and uncles were like you are the ugly one in your family like literally they were like your sisters are so pretty what happened to you and then so i got a little bit cuter in high school but college was when i really blossomed into who i was and it's all thanks to youtube and because you were watching videos on how to do your makeup and stuff like that that makes sense yeah well you had boyfriends your whole life you've referred to yourself as a serial dater okay well Um, let's back up a little bit I was the ugly duckling in my family, not Mm. an ugly duckling in general, but in like elementary school, yes, ugly phase, but I always pulled guys. I don't know how, just great personality, you know, A plus. I don't know about that. How else? I don't know. My looks? Actually, I wrote, oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) When I was in seventh grade, 13 different guys asked me to be their girlfriend. It's crazy to think about. That's so weird. What did you do? See, this is part of your personality is you act like, I don't know. All these guys just want to be my friend. No, And you kind of like subtly probably do these things to like lead them on, you know, not not leading them on. I'm telling you when 13 guys asked me to be my girlfriend, at least four of them, I did not know their names because they just saw me walking down the hallway. Like, I don't know what is in like seventh grade me or seventh grade Sacramento boys at the time, but like they would just ask- It's not ask, just relate. It's not it, just- They would just ask girls to be their girlfriend that they d- actually didn't know. That sounds more junior high. Exactly, seventh grade. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was like junior high guys Seventh asking. grade is pushing it a little. I would say that's more like fifth grade behavior. Fourth, fifth grade. No one asked anyone to be their girlfriends in fifth or sixth grade for me. I did. You did? Yeah. Wait, when was it? How old were you when you had your first girlfriend? I think fourth grade. Third, fourth grade. Third grade? No, fourth. Fourth or fifth. Do you remember how you asked the girl to be your girlfriend? No. No? I do not remember. I wish I remembered. I think, yeah, my first boyfriend ever was fifth grade, but that was rare. Yeah. That was like pretty rare. So funny. I remember I sat in his lap once and my teacher, Miss Pomodessi, like didn't shove me off, but she got really mad. 
I was like, Oop. like, hey, we don't do that. Yeah, here. exactly. That's pretty messed up for a fifth grader to be grinding on. <laughs> I wasn't. What do you mean? I just sat just on kidding. his lap. Jesus Christ. Wow. That's so funny. Don't tell me what you were doing in fifth grade. Definitely wasn't doing that, but you wanted to. <laughs> no. Wait, so how old were you when you first got chubby? Or has it just been your entire life? I think that I just remember being a heavier kid when I was maybe starting to be in third, fourth grade. Like it became a noticeable difference. Okay. Yeah. And then from there it was kind of, it wasn't just all of a sudden I was overweight. It was kind of just a slow progressive feeling of being different than everyone. Yeah. And then as I got older and older, I saw that that was isolating me to a degree for sure. Dang. From sports to girls to, you know, what have you. Well, I'm glad you like lived the life you had to because I feel like you'd be a different person if you were just good looking your entire life. And I, I assume that for myself as well. If like, if I had been good looking my entire life, I'd probably be such an asshole. But you probably got a bunch of attention, right? I like, think all girls got attention, mm, you know? Yeah. It explains a lot. About? Women. <laughs> uh, not our fault that men are just so... Uh, you know, horny as kids. Would you say that women are less horny than men growing up? I guess it's hard to gauge those things, but I feel that there's a common misconception that men are hornier than women. So I am curious about that from your perspective, not only growing up, but in general, do you think? Oh yeah. I mean, girls are, I mean, we all go through the same like sex changes when we we're in like preteens to teenage years i definitely was very horny i don't even want to talk about my first sexual experience because that's so uncomfortable especially knowing that your dad listens to this podcast yeah i mean i don't think we are as open talking about sex growing up as men are like you know like teenage boys talking about it to one another like girls just don't didn't really talk about it that often to each other but I grew up with two older sisters who have been very comfortable talking about that subject my entire life. So I feel like I always was ahead of my friends only because I was already talking about it with my sisters. Mm -hmm. But for you, you are the oldest. Like, did you talk to your sister about sex or who did you talk to about sex growing up? Like, was it your mom and dad? Because it definitely was not no. my mom or dad. I mean, my mom did the classic, you know. She did? I'm sure at some point. My mom is so is dramatic. the birds and bees? Yeah, something like that. What I is don't, the birds and bees story? Because I've never been told this story. I don't know the exact story either. <laughs> but either way, my mom is very dramatic and definitely had a moment where, you know, she made it like a big deal. Um, yeah. But answering your question, I don't really remember. I would say it would probably be definitely my friends. Yeah. Now for me, it was Who my knows? sister's. Yeah. I remember when I was in sixth grade, <laughs> this is so stupid. I actually had a blood, a period pact with my two best friends at the time. Their names were, uh, actually I don't want to say their names just in case they watch this and they don't want to be called out for it, but just say their names were, um, Camille and Megan, Camille and Megan and I had a pact because all of us in sixth grade had never gotten our periods yet. And we had this pact up until like eighth grade turns out Megan actually got her period in fifth grade, just never told us, just never told us. So we were just running around being like, we're the girls that have never had our periods because we're pretty much late bloomers. Normally you get your period in sixth or seventh grade. Mm. Up until eighth grade, none of us had gotten it yet. So it was crazy, but our friend lied. She lied. I'll never forget. There was this girl who had her period for the first time in oh, seventh no. grade in front of my seat. Did you make fun of her? No. She was really nice. She was like such a nice, studious, quiet girl. Yeah. 
and uh, she had her period. Like blood was dripping all over the seat. Does she know what I she was remember. having? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I man. definitely dripped in class on the seat. That's fucked up. That's you crazy. You can't help it. It. You know. You especially when know. you're that young. Especially. Yeah. Exactly. So when you're that young and you're first initially getting your periods, it's not like a normal cycle. So you can't like guesstimate when your period is coming or not. So it's like once every three weeks, once every five weeks, the next time it's like in seven weeks it happens, right? Because your body is still figuring out its cycle. And so I had started my cycle in the middle of class. And I remember feeling, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. It feels like you literally leaked, like something just like, oh, I don't even want to say this. This is so uncomfortable. Like imagine like when you have bad number two, right? Because it's like leaky. Yeah, when, when you it, diarrhea. Exactly. Okay, so when you have diarrhea and it just like leaks out of your butthole, just imagine that feeling, but you're sitting in class and all of a sudden it, it just like happens. It just feels like your muscle relax and just a bunch of like thick liquid yeah. is coming out. Okay. I've heard Sorry. enough. Sorry. <laughs> Changing topics. Yeah. Let's change the topic now. But wow. Growing up is rough. Yeah. We should do a whole episode where I ask you questions like most girls are uncomfortable to ask guys because I have a lot of questions I'm curious about. That would be a good episode. That would be a really great episode. For sure. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things happening in the news this week. Yeah. I mean, one, we live in California, and there's some crazy storms that haven't been really discussed. I haven't really been seeing people talk too much about it, but there has been a lot of storms happening over the past week in California with all the rain. Do you know, yeah. like, what's going on? <laughs> it's happening right in the middle of Sacramento, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't really affected anyone from my family, but... It's heavily flooded right now. Like everything yeah. is flooded. I heard one of my like family cousins, old family friends um, that I considered my cousin, her entire house doesn't have power right now. And her neighborhood hasn't had power in a few days. Yeah. Let me pull it up. Let's see. There's 180,000 homes and businesses affected, mostly in Northern California without power early today. 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 No, this is still going on and it's a really big deal because, well, first of all, there's this atmospheric river yeah. is what happened along with a bomb cyclone. Scary ass words. Yeah, right? Like, like scary ass words to describe scary ass fucking things happening right now. Well, the atmospheric river, it kind of sounds cool, but it's just like a river. In <laughs> but a bomb cyclone? Like, yeah. what? And there's more storms that are expecting to happen starting tonight. And there's been some like, there has been... People that have died. And also in Santa Cruz. I saw the TikTok of a um, someone filming the outside of their house and the waves are just crashing into their yeah. house. Well, there's a, one of the piers in, in uh, Santa Cruz collapsed. The main pier? I don't know if it's the main pier. Let's see. Parts of the Capitol up here. I don't know. I grew up because Santa Cruz isn't too far from Sacramento. We would kind of vacation there. And I remember hanging out all the time at the Santa Cruz pier. But yeah, that sucks. So crazy. True. Yeah. And then parts of Sacramento I was seeing where you're from there are it's underwater flooding parts of the highway. 
Yeah, right? the Isn't levy. The- I wish I knew a little bit more about this. I feel like I should care more since my family's going through it. But all I asked them was, are they okay? And then they said yes. But I actually haven't gotten any updates from them from today. So there's tons of people without power. A newborn or a <gasps> one to two year old died. Like drowned? Because a tree fell over in, I think they were in a trailer home. Like a lot of people are upset because apparently... It's not abnormal for some of these parts in Northern California to experience this flooding. Mm -hmm. So people are a little frustrated that they didn't close down these highways and stuff like that a little bit sooner, especially knowing with how bad the storms have gotten. Yeah, that's insane that they didn't have a like rule in place where you couldn't drive on these certain freeways or whatever. Because that's how someone died. That's insane. Yeah. Well, Sacramento is kind of in like a specific area where it is kind of in a valley between like high mountains and other places. So everything just seeps down into the Central Valley. And the craziest thing is it's all farmlands. The Central Valley actually produces 25% of the annual food crops for the entire U.S. Isn't that insane? Holy shit. Did you know this? I had no idea. I only know this because I grew up around fucking cows and farms all day long. Like That's Illinois. I mean, the agriculture in the Midwest Mm -hmm. is major. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, you see the little California stickers, you know. Everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) So it does make sense. But it's, it's interesting living here in California. I never thought that I would live in California. Why? Growing up. I never made a conscious plan growing up Mm -hmm. I think it kind of evolved over time and it made more sense as I pursued entertainment and music and production and stuff but it it's been so foreign to me because there's earthquakes there uh, there aren't really hurricanes that happen no there are no hurricanes that's on the other side of the coast tornadoes will happen like small tornadoes here and there I've actually seen a small tornado in my backyard once same like just a little tiny you had a what, what is it called a micro uh Micro tornadoes? No, it's not a micro tornado. It's like a micro something. Okay. Yeah. But either way, and so experiencing all these different elements with weather, I remember when I went up to Big Sur, they had the same thing kind of happen. This was three or four years ago. Yeah. And they had the highway completely shut down from landslides, mudslides. And Mario and I were actually filming a music video. And so we were looking for a place to film in this, Mm -hmm. in like a forest up in Big Sur. And I remember we pulled off into this um, side street. It was actually called Colorado, which is kind of <laughs> funny that that's the side street. And people would pull over and be like, hey, you guys can't be here. And we're like, Why? what? And they're like, there are literal people whose homes that have completely collapsed on a mudslide. Like, get oh, out of here. You guys had literally no idea what was going on while you guys were up there. No, we had no idea. That's why I love Colorado, because to me, it just seems like such a safe place. Because it's yeah, higher up in, in elevation. Colorado? I mean, they get snowstorms. Yeah. I think, you know. Blizzards. Blizzards. But I'm trying to think, what does happen in Colorado? I mean, there's the risk of avalanches, right? True. <laughs> but you'd but have to be like, you know. In the mountain? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if there's a big threat. Versus um, in California, it's flooding, fires, and earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the fires, right. That's yeah. what I was going to add to that. That was another thing when I moved here. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I evacuated all of my shit. From my house in Sherman Oaks one time. You did? Yeah, because I was working at the car show, the annual car convention. You talk about this in like three episodes. It's crazy the, how the often car convention. This, yeah, gets That's brought funny. up. But anyways, there was this the fires that were breaking out in the in in Sherman Oaks and in mm-hmm. California. This was three years ago. So I moved all of my shit to Jennifer's house or Jennifer's apartment. She like helped me pick everything up. Took Shark. Mario was out of town at the time. 
Um, and I'm like, what is, where am I living? You know, there's earthquakes, there's fires, there's flooding, there's mudslides. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just used to a, you know, a Midwest tornado yeah. that comes through once in a while. But there was like a moment there, like when we first had met where massive earthquakes were happening. Do you remember this? Do you remember that one earthquake that it was above a seven on the Richter scale? We were yes, sitting we were outside with Sammy and we were at, at Ms. Lala outside and it felt like the entire world was spinning. My entire equilibrium was so thrown off. I remember being outside and being so confused. Yeah. That was insane. And that was like an aftershock, right? Because a bigger one had happened or another one had just happened like the previous day. Mm -hmm. So like that was two days in a row. But that's actually, to me, not the scariest earthquake we've been through. I remember there was another earthquake that happened in the house. You were more scared by I it? I was freaking out. It was a 2.1, and it sounds so little. It was a 2.1 earthquake, but the epicenter was 0 .005 yeah, miles away. That. It was like four streets down, the epicenter happened. So I literally thought the house jumped. It felt like it just went up. And like fell down. And you know that feeling you get when like the elevator kind of like falls a little bit too fast? Yeah. Where you're like your stomach just drops. That was so scary. And I remember screaming, Matt, like, are you okay? Like, Matt, like, I wanted you to comfort me, but you never came. <laughs> I don't think what do you, you came. Want? Why are you yelling my name? Exactly. That was literally you. You're like, <laughs> what? So funny. No, my first time experiencing an earthquake, I was at Ralph's in Sherman Oaks at the grocery store. And it's a, it's a multi-level grocery store. So mm -hmm. I was on the top floor and I remember things shook a little bit and I look, there's a couple guys next to me. We all look at each other and then it happens again. We're like, Oh, and I'll never forget. This dude was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And he just grabbed a case of beer. And he and just, didn't pay? No, he did. Oh. But it was just funny. Cause he's like, all right, I'm grabbing booze and leaving. Um, but back to the, the storms in California, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they're not too bad. They're going to start up today is the first day and it feels like well over a week that there's sunshine. Things are clearing up. Mm -hmm. It's been really rainy, more rainy than I can ever remember it yeah. being in Southern California in Southern California is such a dry place. Yeah. LA it's bone dry pretty much for the most part. And when you're driving down and up the 405 and you're through these rolling massive beautiful hills they're usually pretty dry mm -hmm. but it's always interesting and i remember when i first moved here if it rains one time all of a sudden the hills become beautiful and green yeah and it's so funny it's so how pretty. quick they are to react to the storm and when i was driving to get my hair cut earlier this week up in the valley it was so beautiful yeah. and green it amidst all the really rain pretty. it's like everything comes to life it's so beautiful. The flowers, the smells, it's, oh, you know, it's tropical. I know exactly that feeling of feeling like, oh my God, after the rain, this beautiful like spring comes out. Um, but I was going to say, you know who's really happy with all these rains happening? All the roofers. Oh, yeah. When you, you know, people get anxious about rains because they're like, is my roof going to fail? That's and what I was explaining to my dad the other day. Because, I mean, when you grow up mm -hmm. most places, your house is well-equipped to handle rain. You know, the gutters, the just the infrastructure, yeah. the insulation, the roofing. It's pretty common where, you know, if you're living in Chicago or in the Midwest, you need to make sure that you're updating your roof, mm -hmm. redoing the shingles, making sure your gutters are good to go or else things get clogged up and that could fuck up everything. And yeah. it's going to be so expensive to fix in a nightmare. So over there, it's general maintenance to keep up with that stuff. Over here... <laughs> no. I learned quickly, like people do not 
upkeep, the roofs, the rain. And when we first moved into this house, when it when we had a first rainstorm, it, we had leaks in the house yeah. because it's not a common thing to keep up with. So, yeah, the roofers are crushing it right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of homes that are getting super damaged and fucked, yes. even around here. Not to mention the mudslides that are happening up north. I watched this random documentary maybe 10 years ago. It was talking about, which makes so much sense, that the most tropical and beautiful places to live are actually the most dangerous places to live. And that's because these tropical, beautiful places are only tropical and beautiful because they have such nutrient-dense land. And that comes from usually volcanoes, fires. So if you think about Hawaii as the perfect example, there's volcanoes everywhere Mm -hmm. and a volcano has a direct route to the core of the earth that's where the lava is coming from and out of that lava is nutrient dense land that grows but it also makes them very dangerous to live around so that's the same thing with southern california it's beautiful but it's also kind of dangerous to live here I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But if we're going to talk about dangerous things in dangerous places, we should talk about Moscow, Idaho and Brian I love your transitions. (laughs) They're so funny. It's like you're waiting for the perfect moment to transition. Well, I really want to talk about this just because it is massive, massive news right now. And the affidavit came out of probable cause. So So we're talking about the Idaho murders, right? Correct. The Moscow, Idaho murders that happened on November 13th. They finally and officially arrested the suspect on December 30th. His name is Brian Koberger, and he is a PhD student at Washington State University, and he is studying criminology, which is absolutely insane. And I don't know how much research you did on this, but I ended up reading the entire 19-page probable cause affidavit that the cops released well i did some research but i certainly did not read 19 pages of an affidavit that was released by the police (laughs) well i found it really fun to read and i really wanted to do my research on this because it is such massive massive news and it is scary to think that at this day and age anyone would think they would get away with something like this but of course it makes sense that this Guy was studying criminology for the last seven, eight years and thought he would get away with it, but ended up doing some of the stupidest things I've heard. I can get into it. What did he do? Okay, so for the past three months, had been stalking this house and his cell phone got pinged at this house 12 times in the last three months. So really quick, backing up, can you provide a summary for people if they don't know what's going on in this murder case, what happened? And then we can kind of get into more fun specifics. Yes. So on November 13th at 4 a.m., a killer murdered four roommates in a house in a college town in Moscow, Idaho. Three being the actual roommates that lived there and one being a boyfriend of one of the girls who had lived there. And they had been partying the night before, had gotten back into their home at like 2.30 a.m. One of the girls had called for a door dasher and they ended up all getting murdered. And for a month and a half, TikTok had been hyping up this entire murder and trying to figure out who the murderer was and saying that like the other roommates who didn't die were suspects because no one called the cops for eight hours. So they say that the murders happened at 4 a.m. No one called the police till 12 p.m. So for eight hours straight, everyone was like, how did the roommates not hear anything? 
why was the cops not called? Like if four people were getting stabbed, clearly one or two of them probably fought back and cried or yelled. There's got to be some noise. Something, but no one called the it's cops. It's not just easy to kill people. No, no. So for the cops really had no leads at all. And so this is a TikTok. This is like another TikTok case being solved pretty much. Yeah, except it turns out everyone was fucking wrong because no one suspected this man named Brian Koberger who went to a different college in a different town in a different state 15 minutes away until the cops asked for everyone to, you know, pull in all of their video data of their ring cameras, all their security systems, whatever it is. And they saw this really shady white Elantra driving three or four times around the house at 3.45 a.m. Like around the neighborhood? Around the neighborhood. And then around like 4.30 a.m., they saw this same white Elantra drive off really fast. So they were like, okay, one, there weren't a lot of cars driving around this night at 4 a.m. because it's a residential area of the college town. And two, why is he driving off so damn fast? You would think that if someone committed a murder, they would maybe try to be more discreet exactly so i'm saying he is the dumbest criminology student out there because he's he literally is getting his phd in criminology but decided to drive around this house four times in a row like park just scope it out and don't be shady and i'm not saying like i'm glad he did all this stuff because i'm glad he got caught but he just did a lot of things wrong so one that was the first thing he did wrong two he used his actual car that he owned like rent a car borrow a car tips steal a car murder tips yeah how to murder 101 okay here are some tips here three when the cops finally discovered okay we think Brian Koberger is the one that did this. They looked into his uh, phone records and saw that his phone did not ping at this specific house. He turned his cell on airplane mode for exactly two hours. During the two hour window, this entire thing happened. So what he should have done was just left his phone at home or something. Another thing he did wrong. Every time he scoped the house, he had his phone on him. So for the past three months, they saw that his phone pinged between the cell towers in the specific neighborhood. And on top of that, it was always at late night or very early morning. So he was completely stalking these this house. Yeah. And if you're doing those at those unusual times, I'm sure it's a lot easier to be able to trace and pinpoint who is around that area. Yeah. The current state of the case, he's been arrested. Yes. He just got extradited to um, Idaho, which... The judge was actually pretty shocked at because he's actually from Pennsylvania. They arrested him in Pennsylvania. He drove across the country back to Pennsylvania to kind of hide out. The judge was like, are you under any duress? Are you being forced to like extradite yourself? And he was like, no, I want to get extradited to like complete this process faster because I believe I'm innocent. He's not innocent. But he's just being really dumb. He would have more rights in Pennsylvania and if he got tried in Pennsylvania than Idaho. So like it's kind of crazy that he said yes to going to Idaho. This is so crazy, but there he hasn't even more. been convicted yet, right? No, he hasn't But it's been pretty obvious it's, that it's him based on all this evidence. Yes. The reason why they actually got the arrest warrant, because everything before this was kind of hearsay. The reason they got their arrest warrant was because he was stupid while he was stabbing four people. And of course, I'm sure one or two of them fought back. He left the sheath of his knife at the crime scene and the sheath of the knife is the only dna evidence he left and it was on like a button on the sheath 
So that was the only way they got his DNA. A lot so of his DNA was found on, at the crime scene. Okay. And a lot of people are saying that the reason why they found out who exactly it was was because of 23andMe. That's actually incorrect. So how they actually got his DNA and found out who did it was that because of his car, they figured out who was driving the car. They figured out all the people that were in the area with like that specific car that he had. Um, they found his name, Brian Koberger. They went to his parents' house and looked through the parents' trash for DNA, found the dad's DNA, and then compared it to the DNA of um, Brian Koberger's on the sheath and found it was a 99.999% match that this DNA was the father of the killer. Gotcha, gotcha. And so they were like... So had he not left the knife there, would he have been able to get away with this? No, because he drove his dumb little 2015 white Elantra to the house that was caught on camera. He took a road that leads directly to Washington State University from Idaho. It it's kind of known for being the road that takes between, you. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a known road between the two campuses. He took that road. And so there's footage of his car getting driven into campus in Washington State University. At that time? At that time. Damn. So, like, he would have been found, and that's the only reason why they went to his parents' house for the DNA evidence. But meanwhile, while he was driving from Idaho to Pennsylvania, they actually had two cop cars pull I him over. I saw that, purpose. yeah. And you can just tell from... I don't want to say he's guilty. He's definitely guilty. I don't want to say he's 100% guilty. I think say he's like, it. He's guilty. Okay. You got to stop holding back how you really feel. No, I'm just saying like, what if there's a tiny, tiny chance that he wasn't the only one that did it, you know? Come on. That's just like saying OJ didn't do it. <laughs> I think everyone knows that OJ Simpson did it. did it. I felt really bad for his dad. Did you watch the footage of the two body cameras on the- I saw articles about this, but mm -hmm. I had no idea what was going on. I just what kept the seeing- what of it was. Yeah, I, I just the Idaho murders, whatever. And then I saw the article in the video of him being pulled over in the white car. Yeah. And he's in the passenger seat and he kind of looks like shocked. He was actually driving. And okay, the dad was, that was in the, the passenger dad. Gotcha. seat. Brian's eyes were like so massively open, like- Am I going to get caught? Am so I did the dad caught? have any idea what was going on? or No. And that was the sad part was the dad was being completely honest. The cop, when they pulled him over, was like, I'm pulling you over because you were tailing the car a little too close. Of course, that was a lie. He just wanted to pull him over. Specifically, they announced they were pulling him over to see his hands to see if he had any bruises or cuts on his hands. Did he? Um, I don't. They never actually said if he did or not. And they ended up pulling him over twice because the first time they weren't getting clear gotcha. shots of his hands. You know, if you're a cop and you're doing that, you, I wonder if a cop in that situation is nervous as nervous. well. Probably because he has to lie and he's literally talking to a killer. Mm -hmm. um, when the cop pulled him over, he was like, oh, where are you guys headed? Brian was like, we are headed to um, Thai food. And the dad was like, no, we're headed to Pennsylvania, which was like thousands of miles away. He was like, oh, like how long have you guys been driving for? Brian was like hours and the dad was like, no, like we've been driving for like a full day now. And like he was just so unaware that his his son was trying to hide the fact that he had did something really, really shady. He was being like super friendly to the cop while Brian was like trying to talk over his dad to get him to shut up. But, like, Is there video footage of all this? Yes. Oh, wow. That's really scary and weird. Yes. After the second time that they pulled him over. Was that to see the hands and Again. try to do that stuff? And then they let him go. And then once they built up the case and had a warrant. Yes. Or the day they pulled him over, they pulled him over twice in a, like, I believe, like a less than 30 minute time span. So what they were hoping by pulling him over was that he would start fleeing. 
And that would allow them to get him arrested before he got into Pennsylvania. Mm. But because he never fleed once, they just had to let him go every single time because they did not get their arrest arrest warrant just yet. And it was going to take them another four days before they could get it, which oh, I think shit. is insane that it takes that long to get four an arrest days, warrant. Yeah. Like imagine committing a murder, cops finding out you did it, but not being able to arrest you for four days straight. And in those four days, you can go on an airplane, skip to Cuba, and then never be extradited. But of course he didn't do that. Yeah. Sorry, this case is just so many instances of him doing really dumb things. But don't people do dumb things that commit murders and get caught? Like yes. majority of the time? I guess my question is, why is this case so big? Maybe it's naive of me to ask. Killing four people is obviously really fucked up and like terrible. Yeah. But is it because of this mysterious TikTok solving of a mystery murder that it became continued to get so much publicity coupled with the fact that this guy was getting a phd for her. um so this this actually got massive before they figured out who the killer was. oh so it was before. pretty much from tiktok no it wasn't pretty much from tiktok it was getting a lot of news because a t quiet safe town okay, yeah, yeah, in yeah. idaho where four murders happened in one night two roommates didn't Call the cops for eight hours after it happened, and it's like a sh very shocking and thing. Yeah, everyone were college students, so they were all young, you know, just young, innocent, wide-eyed, excited for their future, and two roommates never died. Okay, I see. Do we know more as far as was there a motive? Did he know them? What is this random? Where, where are we at right I now? I couldn't say what the motive was. A lot of it is all theoretical right now that he probably had a crush on one of the single girls. Gotcha. And I mean, if he was stalking them, it yes. wasn't just random. Oh, I'm going to commit a murder and I'm this serial killer who wants to be murdering. Right. Yes. Um, I guess we don't know. We don't he know what be. his theory is, but he clearly had had been stalking them for a minute. And I'm going to guess that he probably wanted a relationship. And actually this goes into something else. He probably wanted a relationship with one of the girls. And I'm only saying this because there have been actual news accounts that have people have come public right now that a few months before his arrest and these murders happened, he was frequenting a bar in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where the owner of the bar had to speak to him directly and say, you need to respect the bar staff because he called one of the female workers behind the bar a bitch. Oh, shit. And so this bar would scan IDs before you drank and they could put notes. Oh, I saw this. And they, that's actually, that's really smart. That's really smart that they can do that. And I guess they had put notes about him saying, this guy's a creep after a few drinks watch him yeah you know exactly so i think he had a lack of respect for a woman because he literally called a girl a b-word and not only word um a bitch i don't know why i just like don't like cussing because youtube has been You're demonetizing so, for us yeah. well then fuck youtube if we're already getting demonetized anyways well th I've, that's why i've actually been uh what's it called bleeping them out i've been bleeping them on youtube not so much on our Spotify. So if you guys want to watch it or listen to us, unbleeped Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I think, can we just appeal it? I can appeal it, but some of them have not been appealed, which gotcha. is fine. It's fine, but I still just bleep it out anyways. I've just been bleeping and they've been fine. Either way, apparently a lot of people from Brian's past have come forward saying that he was actually bullied as mm. a young kid because he was overweight. And then lost a bunch of weight and then became the bully. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I'm not saying that this is, I hate when people say, well, like it's because he had a troubled past. Like your past does not represent who you are today. Um, it can shape 
who you've become, but it does not it define does, you. It does, but it doesn't give you the excuse exactly. to go do Bad things, things like that. Yeah, Bad that's things. fucked up. He's also a TA for a criminology class and was notorious for being a really harsh grader and at one point had failed his entire class. But after November 13th, they said it, it was a 180. His entire demeanor changed, his attitude changed, and he started handing out hundreds left and right so that was after the murder after the murder so, so how long did it take his murder what are you doing <laughs> Sorry, i was like <laughs> fixing i feel so stiff stiff in these chairs in this set it's because you're so big compared to the set yeah you made it like a little poly pocket dollhouse there's for only you. so much space you in sit here. so straight in your little seat your seat you take up like not like not even half of it but anyways no my question was how long after the murder did they f find out that it was him? I don't so know. So that was November 3rd, you said, that he, the 13th. murder 13th? And did he it got happen? arrested on the 30th. I think it took them a full month to figure out who it was, and then um, probably another two weeks to finally get him arrested. Gotcha. They said the only reason they found him was because of the actual white sedan he was driving. If it wasn't for him driving his actual own car, he probably would have gotten away with it. That's crazy. Because they wouldn't have been able to place the um, like DNA evidence. Yeah. Dang. So it's always the murder weapon or the vehicle. Or it's the vehicle. In the case of OJ, a dried up glove. <laughs> Actually, no, that's why. Never mind. That's how he got away with it was the yeah. dried up glove that didn't yeah. fit his hand anymore. But bringing it back to the Idaho murders, I haven't even talked about the craziest thing that happened in the affidavit is that the two roommates that survived, one of them saw the actual murderer in her house and came face to face with him. Oh, I read that. Yeah. So what happened was she heard someone say, hey, someone's here. So she opened her door, didn't do anything. Then she heard someone crying and she opened the door and heard a male say, it's fine. I'm going to help you. And then she closed her door and then she opened it for a third time. And when she opened the door, she was face to face with the murderer. And he was wearing a black ski mask that covered his mouth. And only his eyes were shown. And she said that he looked like he had really bushy eyebrows. And he walked towards her. And, and he then, just like walked and away, just right? walked away. And she froze because you either flight, fight, or freeze. She ended up freezing. And when he left through the sliding glass doors, she then locked herself in her bedroom and just hid for eight hours and didn't call the cops till 12 p.m. I wonder during those eight hours. If they could have been saved. If one or two of them could have been saved. And it's no one's fault. I mean, we'll f I mean who knows, who right? Who knows what happened? Who knows? She, had, she didn't go into depth. They pretty much in the affidavit stopped the like inquisition after she said like, I saw him at 4 a.m. Then I locked myself in my room. They didn't ask her, like, why didn't you call the cops? They didn't ask her anything. And I'm sure these cops are like, they didn't want to ask her because they understand it. it's very traumatic. Some yeah. people just freeze like she did. She, like, was face to face with him and didn't run away until he left the house was when she finally closed the door and locked but herself. But did she know that there was murders she that happened? She probably didn't know. She probably just thought maybe she heard maybe someone. She, yeah. She probably, she heard someone say someone's in the house. So she probably thought they were the ones that got him out of the house. But she probably didn't know that someone got murdered because she just heard someone crying. She didn't hear someone like screaming, yelping, asking for I help. I thought there was like a report of like a thud or some screaming, some shuffling, they some heard form a, of commotion. They did hear a thud and they heard a dog barking. Mm. So she probably maybe could have thought it was just someone trying to burglarize the house, freaked out, ran away. Yeah. She, But she was clearly so scared she like froze and just like 
just yeah. stood face to face. And so how did he get upstairs? What do you mean? Well, because it was on the second story, right? So this house is different than most houses. So the first floor is pretty much considered the basement. So like, oh, it's like it's stairs, built on like, a hill. Oh. So like when you enter the house through the actual front doors, you're on the first level, which is considered the second level. Got it. But like when you go downstairs to the basement, it's on an actual well, basement. I have a question for you. Yes. What would you do in that situation if you were face to face with the murderer? Honestly, honestly, what would be your response? Would it be fight, flight, or freeze? You or know, you can never know what you're going to do. I would love to say that I am someone that would probably run away and call the cops. I don't think I would freeze, but I don't think I would fight either because I'm very much aware of my body size compared to most people. Yeah. And I, I at that time, I, I wouldn't have had a weapon on me. And mm -hmm. I would have never suspected anything because six people are living in the house. One person said, yeah. hey, someone's here. And this girl, her name and is And they're Zena. also college students. So I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of coming and going, you know, people hanging out mm -hmm. late hours. It probably wasn't super abnormal depending on their lifestyle for someone else to be there. Yeah. And when you have roommates, you're not always like, you don't always know what your roommates are doing, who they're exactly. bringing, what have you. So exactly. that, that makes sense. And Zena, which is the girl who had a boyfriend, um, she had actually ordered a DoorDash. So like she had opened the door, I bet at one point and was like, my DoorDash is here, whatever. And like opened her DoorDash, you know, like they just yeah. opened the door left and right, yeah. and, like, whatever. So she probably just thought maybe it was like a burglar or didn't realize like he actually hurt anyone. And she also heard someone saying like a male voice saying, it's okay, like you're gonna be okay. So she probably thought like no one died. But you know, you don't know what's gonna go through your yeah. head. Like what would you have done in that scenario when you're that young? At 20, 19, 20, 21. I have no idea. Yeah. What would I do now? No, now is different. But when you're, you know, you're Yeah, young. 19, 20, no, that definitely makes a big difference. I have no idea how I would have handled that situation. In general, if I heard those kind of remarks, mm -hmm. I would be curious. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a curious person and I'm very you would have gone aware of my surroundings, especially from a, from a sound perspective. I'm very aware of my surroundings. Matt it's is very the lightest sleeper I've ever met. Yeah, I'm a very light sleeper. And also when I hear a sound, it's hard for me to not focus on the sound, which is why I, I'm really good at making music yeah. and engineering and stuff, because I've trained my ear to when you hear something to really listen to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas you, you can just fall asleep with like noise in the background. I would have heard those sounds and been very confused. Do you think you probably would have gotten murdered because you probably would have went upstairs try to figure out what was happening? I mean, how big is this guy? On his driver license, he is six feet, 185 pounds. Slim, muscular build. So it would have been a scuffle. It would have been a scuffle. <laughs> but he had a knife, and you probably wouldn't have brought a knife with you. Yeah. Is it a big knife? It was a Marine Corp, like a like a, like a, like a six-inch blade, like a like a proper knife to like kill yeah. someone with. Not yeah. like a little like butter knife, but like... Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say it's like a machete knife. Yeah, yeah. Another crazy thing in the affidavit... Ryan Koberger decides to come back at the house at 9.15 a.m. And his cell phone gets pinged twice at the residence. Do they have any idea why? No, they don't. I I personally have a theory as to why. He knows that he left the knife? The sheath? Yes, that was one theory. The second theory is... What he, the fuck is a sheath? You know, oh. that cloth part that oh. was a knife so you don't cut yourself on. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so this is a knife knife. A knife knife, yeah. I think my theory as to why he came back to the murder scene five hours after he murdered everyone was that he came back to see why no one was talking about the murder. 
because from 4 a.m. to 12 p.m., no one knew a murder happened because for eight hours, he saw that there was a witness and the witness didn't call the cops. So he probably thought that the four people lived and was like, fuck, did oh, I not kill them? Yeah, maybe. He I was mean, it's probably go- really curious as to why no one was talking about it. This is four murders in a small college town in but fuck nowhere. Why is no one talking about it? And he was like, probably had to drive back to be like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I did this last night, right? Like, why is no one talking about it? Well, the question is, well, when he got there, what happened? Like, did he just go drive back? So, so then that wouldn't prove your theory because it's not like there was yellow tape when he got there. And so there would be no way for him to know if they were still alive or dead unless he re-entered the property. Well, I don't think he re-entered it. I just think he was going to see if like cops were around the area mm. and like scouting it out. Like gotcha. he just he just didn't hear anything. And yeah, like, he's probably fixated on it. Yeah, he like I mean, wanted to crazy. know what people were thinking or knew, right? I think this entire thing is insane. It's even more insane that he was a criminologist. I'll student. wait for the Netflix special about yeah. this. Oh, there's definitely that's going to be, be, you know. It took TikTok by by storm. Like everyone, so funny. everyone is talking about it on TikTok, it feels like, at least on my For You page. Well, in other news, we have some positive news, which is Damar Hamlin. I'm not sure if you know or have followed the story. Today, as of January 6th, he is off breathing tubes and he is able to actually talk and communicate and has been talking with family, teammates, and uh, medical staff. But did you see what happened? I have don't you been even seeing know headlines? What, who, what you're talking about now. Damar Hamlin. I know um, he's the football player that ended yeah. up. At, falling during a game or something it was actually um monday night football the buffalo bills were playing the cincinnati Bengals, and it's a really good game and um in the first quarter this player damar hamlin who's a safety he's on defense he was going to tackle a Bengals player who caught the ball and the Bengals player who caught the ball you know he he lowered his shoulder when he was getting tackled so he kind of lowered his shoulder into DeMar Hamlin's chest. Like, they're on the ground, whatever. He stands up, normal. And then all of a sudden, after he stands up, he completely just falls. Like, loses all sense of balance. Completely unconscious. And so, what happened was, they had to perform CPR on him for 10 minutes on the field. And he had to be resuscitated twice on the field. Because he died. His I'm pretty (gasps) sure his heart stopped. Um Yeah, no, his heartbeat had to be restored. So he technically died then, right? If if your heart stops, you're dead. Or is that your brain? Uh, technically, when you flatline, I'm pretty sure you're considered dead. Yeah. But I don't know. But either way, so he his heart stopped and he had to be resuscitated. And um, I didn't actually... I was watching the game, but I turned it on after this happened. So I oh, saw no. all these players on the field just sitting there. And I've never seen anything like this in my life during a live sporting event, especially for football. It was really interesting to see what happened because everyone was kind of panicking and didn't know what to do. They kind of put it to the broadcasters and the broadcasters were like, they weren't sure how to handle it either. So it was kind of everyone was on standby to try to figure it out. Is he going to come back to life? No one knew it was happening, but it was probably one of the most live traumatic sporting events that has ever happened because of the players faces the, you don't know when you're watching on the side what's going on all that you know is there's all these players huddled around the guy isn't moving and you see these players faces they're breaking out in tears they're praying everyone's coming together was the Bengals players like around the huddle with the other players as well or were the Bengals kind of like staying i think away? they were all together oh good okay yeah they're all um, concerned for him 
Yeah. yeah. Everyone was concerned for him. And so it was the first time, actually, when I was watching, it was game is temporarily postponed. Mm -hmm. So no one knew when the game was coming back. And the game of officially got postponed. And to this another is the day? To another day. And it was the first time ever that an injury in the trauma of an injury was the reason that they postponed the game. Because as a player, players were having a hard time. Coming back. Coaches were having a hard time. You know, the real hero of this day was this guy, Danny Kellington. Danny Kellington is really the hero who was the assistant. Uh, he was the medical staff who actually revived and in, in performed the CPR to bring him back to life. And also the coaches had to, it was such a big deal in the locker room for these coaches to kind of have a good sentiment in the locker room for these players who have been playing football all their life. And all of a sudden on something that wasn't even a big hit, all of a sudden this guy goes down and he never comes back. They never saw him come back to life, mm -hmm. you know? So everyone isn't sure if this guy died. Yeah. So what happened was they rushed him to the hospital. They sedated him. They put breathing tubes in him. They weren't sure what his condition was going to be. And slowly, day by day, he got better. I believe it was yesterday he finally woke up. And uh, the first one of the first things that he did is he's communicating with his hand. He's writing. And the first one of the first things he says is, did we win? And, this, oh. and, and the doctors said, yes, Damar, you won the game of life. And that's kind of like the that's kind of like the heartwarming yeah. thing. And then today, actually, they took the breathing tubes out and he's doing better. It's just so crazy. And so they don't know exactly what, what happened? happened. Are they speculating? Cardiologists are speculating that. Hold on. Let me see exactly what they said. Cardiac experts said that the blow to the, his chest may have sent his heart into an arrhythmia. And it's pretty unusual and it has to be struck at like a very specific moment, about 20 milliseconds um, when the heart is relaxing because the hit wasn't hard. It was just at a specific moment. And yeah. that's why everyone's having a hard time with this, because when you see a player drop. That could happen to anyone. That's what other players are saying. I've done that tackle mm -hmm. 10,000 times in my life. Now I'm going to be thinking twice about it. And so the NFL was getting a Are little they thinking about it, like getting tackling that person ever again on the chest or being like tackled in the chest. by. I someone think else? both. Yeah, that's both scary. sides. I wouldn't want scary. to be responsible for that either. Yeah, it was pretty crazy to see everyone come out in support. I mean, the amount of support from the entire sports world and people in general, it just took off like wildfire because no one had ever seen anything like this happen. You know, the NFL has been, I mean, they're a very powerful organization and they're always under some fire for something, mm -hmm. rightfully so. And a big thing that this year that they've been under fire for is the handling of the these concussions CTE. in the protocol. CTE, not, ne not necessarily, but the concussion. Yes, that is like the down the road. Um, but the protocol for concussions, because there was this player, this quarterback on the Dolphins who got concussed but they let him back in the game and then the next week he oh. got concussed and he whiplash hit his head and he contorted <gasps> on live TV. I don't know the exact word, but his hands were stuck in this position and that's due to serious brain. Was he um, having a seizure? It no, he didn't like? have a seizure. He just was in a like stuck. He was like stuck. And so there's been such talk about 
the protocol. They're just in a very interesting climate in general due to how serious some of these injuries are. And so not to mention this whole situation happening, they're under a lot of fire for potentially wanting to resume the game. And um, now they're saying, oh, we never said that. We would have never done that. It's pretty wild. And since they decided to not even do the game, they just canceled it. Yeah. This makes me realize even more that I am so much more passionate about not letting my kid ever play football. Like that to me is so scary. Football is one of the most dangerous sports. I know the way yeah. you're looking at me, you're like, no, no, no. I've actually been changing my tune a little bit on it lately. I think there's a couple things. One, it seems like this injury could have happened in any sport because it wasn't a, Very it wasn't due sports to impact. Will you get impacted by someone else. Like if, imagine getting hit in the chest by a baseball. Or if you're doing hockey or you're doing lacrosse or you're doing wrestling and you're in soccer, like these things, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, obviously with football, every play is a head to head thing. Yeah. I think the biggest problem with it is that they really dug all the information for these players that were having these issues later on in life from all of this head trauma. And so people didn't know what they were signing up for until pretty much now, because now you have the information, which pretty much just had to come from you know, people leaking it, people making movies about it, Mm -hmm. us seeing in real time players committing suicide and leaving notes and leaving their brains for their brains to be studied. Aaron Hernandez have a case of CTE as well. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, and I don't know specifically, but the the percentage of having CTE from head trauma is just like when you have, when you get head trauma, you develop CTE in most cases, Mm. but it's just a matter of how serious it is. I believe. Pretty much all the football players probably have some. Yeah. They're going to develop it. It's just a matter of how bad and what will it actually do to you. And um, I mean, it is an interesting conversation because they're saying that the reason these hits are so hard is because of the padding, like because the because the padding is so well developed and advanced in the helmets and stuff, you're running and you are throwing your body on the line because you are protected. Yeah. Whereas in other sports, you're not throwing your body or you're moving in certain ways because you're naturally going to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. When they had actually less padding on their heads, they played less. They weren't using their heads yeah. to lead. And a lot of these injuries, most of these injuries are coming from head impacts. So players running at full speed and lowering their helmet in a head and a helmet to helmet collision. That's yeah. insane. I mean, isn't football kind of similar to rugby except rugby rugby you don't have any of the protective gear right i know very little about rugby Same. but it's like yeah they're running around a field and they're tackling each other yeah. except in rugby i don't believe they have they much have nothing yeah they don't have much padding at all and they um, definitely don't get as seriously hurt as yeah i don't think in players. hockey they do either and you gotta think they have they're a helmet on, in hockey right but they're on skates but and they're going really fast and they're smacking each other. Huge padding or is that just the goalie? No, no, no. They are they are wearing padding, but it's the same thing with football. Football players are wearing padding, but oh, also Oh, that's why they're so aggressive in hockey. It's because they have all this padding on. Is yes, that what you're but, saying? Yeah, but also my theory and I'm pretty sure there's and again, I don't know the the exact stat on this, but in hockey, you you don't rely on physical collisions to win a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you when you're playing hockey, you're trying to you're trying to move around people. Good hockey players don't want to go head to head. Of course, there's hits that happen, 
but you're on ice. So you're also protecting yourself and there's different ways that you're protecting yourself. And the way that the gameplay of hockey is, is it's not every play, every goal. There's a massive collision happening. You know what I mean? Whereas football, you're lining up on opposite ends and you're going at each other one-on-one, get the guy, tackle him. It's just a lot of uh, impact happening. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy that he's doing better and awake and talking. Like, I can't imagine how his roommates or his teammates would feel if he didn't wake up. They would probably not be able to play the rest of the season or just feel like really heavy playing the rest of the season. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to still carry some of that with them because they are one of, they are one of the best teams. Would he play again or do you think he's I out don't for the so. season? That's too scary. Oh, no, no, no. He's definitely out for the season. The question is, will he ever play again? And, you know, we're learning about these things day by day. I mean, today is the first time he was able to take the breathing tubes out and speak. So who knows if he'll even ever want to, even if he had the ability to. I mean, imagine how traumatizing that is. Well, I think it's time to do another Am I Rotten segment. You ready for it? I am. Okay. So for those of you guys who don't know, Am I Rotten are your guys' submissions for advice, confessions, whatever it is to see if you're in the wrong or are you in the right. Am I rotten? I dumped a best friend of over 10 plus years after being made of honor. Am I rotten or is she? As a maid of honor, I spent roughly $2,000 for everything that involved decorations, Airbnb, food, the whole nine yards. Never once were we asked to keep our budgets and what we could afford in mind. All I asked from the bride was that she also helped to pay for the expensive Airbnb. It would total $1,900 and all she had to pay was roughly $300. When it was time to pay, she said she didn't have the money and I shouldn't have to pay for anything anyways. I'm the bride. I personally don't enjoy drinking or partying and during the entire time at the bachelor party, I kept to myself because I was feeling sick. I ended up testing positive for COVID the final day at the bachelor party and that made me realize why I felt so off all weekend. Apparently, to the bride, I was boring and all the decorations and hours I put into the Airbnb setup was just completely useless. I work a regular banking job and COVID made me use up all of my sick time so I had to dive into my pay time off. I ended up with no hours left to go to her travel destination wedding. Due to her being mad at me for the bachelor party, I think she thought I was lying about not having any more PTO left. I was forced to cancel on going to the wedding and her soon-to-be husband DM'd me a nasty message saying how horrible I am and how my mental health issues made me weak. After that, I dropped her as a friend and she never heard from me ever again. So, am I rotten or is she? Wow, that is a lot to unpack. I feel like this is one where I could tell it's very from her perspective. Yeah, you think? You know, because I would love to hear their perspective of the same situation and what was agreed upon slash what it... Well, I guess my first question is, is there a standard for bridesmaids and weddings? Well, she was the maid of honor. So I think there's even more of like a level of like neediness from a bride. Because I know when you're a part of a wedding, you need to get the same dress, but you're required to buy it, right? Like the, the bride doesn't provide that. Yes. So you buy your own dresses. Normally you do throw a bachelor party that the bride does not pay for. Right. I, I mean, what are your I thoughts? Feel about, I don't know if either is rotten. I think it was rotten for the bride to say that like, oh, like you're, you're useless. But if they're best friends for 10 plus years 
And the only reasoning you can't go to a wedding is you don't have PTO. Well, that was a petty last yeah. thing to do. I'm confused about what she said about the PTO. She said, due to COVID, I had no more sick time, so I had to use my own PTO. And then she said, to, for the wedding, well, I had no more PTO. Because you have sick days, and then you have PTO days, right? Yeah. So she used up all her sick days because she had COVID. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to dip into her PTO days. For her best friend's wedding? She doesn't sound like a good friend then. Yeah, I agree. You know, if that's your reason, but that might not be the accurate reason, but that's what she's telling us in this mm -hmm. segment. I didn't, I didn't want to dip into my own PTO for a friend of 10 plus years wedding. Then. It sounded like she was just done with the friend beforehand and yeah. like couldn't tell her that she was well, done with Well, because she's her. saying she has anxiety, doesn't like to go to parties and drinking, you know? Because yeah, if it's a friend and you're the maid of honor, you would be excited for your best friend to get married and you wouldn't have these reservations about throwing a bachelorette party you'd be like hey i don't normally like drinking and partying and yeah i experience some anxiety but i'm doing this for my best friend mm -hmm. i think we need more context from the sounds of it i think what the bride is doing was shitty but the bride is underneath a lot of stress typically it is standard to pay for the bachelor party for the bride i get that yeah i think it was shitty for the bride to say you aren't doing a good job you're kind of boring it almost seems like the lack of budget and transparency i bet she had a pretty negative attitude the whole time right like if i were to play this situation out based on what i'm getting I'm sure the bride could feel like you don't want to be here. You're making me feel bad. Like, yo, this is my bachelorette party. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And you're kind of maybe like sulking or being negative about it. And then maybe at the time of her asking for money, she's just like, dude, like you're almost ruining a, like a very important special moment. And I'm not saying that she is, but maybe that's kind of what I'm getting is that her like attitude seemed to be pretty negative and I could see why the bride would be like, what the I, fuck? Yeah, I think it's shitty to use the excuse of not dipping into your pay time off to go to the wedding. I think she would be less rotten if she said, I actually just don't want to be friends with you anymore. Like that to me is a lot more respectful than being like, well, the excuse as to why I'm not going to your wedding is because I don't want to dip into a PTO day. PTO days are there so that you use them. Yeah. The first shit like that. For shit like <clears throat> this, yeah. And I'm sure you knew about this wedding months and months and months in advance. Yeah. I don't know what the expectation is. Like I said, I think, you know, if it's a bachelorette party and you're the bride, you kind of want it to be like taken care of and just get to enjoy it. It's like your fun night. But then on the flip side, I could see where it would be uncomfortable not knowing. But then maybe, you know, she should have mentioned budget if the bride didn't beforehand. Yeah. You know, like bring that up and be like, hey... Not sure what the deal with budget is. I think it would be helpful if we got on the same page about that. I'm looking forward to doing this. Like, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Um, I think that a simple conversation and communication probably would have cleared it up. But it sounds like aside from all of that, they clearly aren't great friends because this must have been building and it would yeah. have been a very, very big deal. And it sounds like it was a big deal if the new husband messaged her calling her a bad person i clearly they didn't need to be friends for the last few years it sounds like they probably had some issues and this just like struck a chord and made yeah. everything worse and no communication was involved like you said about budgets and expectations of what you know being a maid of honor would be mm -hmm. but that sucks losing yeah. a best friend of 10 years really sucks and i really feel for both of them they're probably both feeling like they're in the right and the other person's in the wrong and mm -hmm. are probably waiting for the other person to apologize. I don't think they're rotten eggs. I think they're a little like both little spoiled eggs. 
It's a little past due expiration. Uh, yeah, a little, a little few funky. days. Yeah. Yeah. It smells a little weird, but I guess we'll eat it. Yeah. Well, either way, leave us more Am I Rotten responses in our Google form. Link down below. Also, let us know if you think who's in the wrong, who is in the right, are either of them in the wrong or right. But we only have one side of this story. I want to hear in the comments what people think the proper way to go about, you know, the wedding etiquette amongst yeah. friends, brides, groomsmen. Like, should the bride provide a budget or is it the bridesmaid's duty to fucking take care of it? Like, yeah. what is the unspoken language? I think we need to have that conversation. I think it's unfair to expect other people to pay for your stuff yeah. when it's celebrating you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. It's an like, interesting debate because yeah. I could see either way. Yeah. Because like, the one night, it's the one time, you know, it's not a birthday. It's your wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, you get someone a gift for their birthday. You take them out to dinner. Yeah. This is a once in a lifetime supposed to be, you know, bachelorette party. I would hope the friends just stepped up. Yeah. Personally. Mm -hmm. If that was me, I'd be like, figure it out. Yeah. We can talk about it like. Well, later, if it's like, yo, I ended up spending a lot of money and then we talked about it, I'm like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, that makes sense, definitely. Or if it was a beforehand, like, hey, we have this Airbnb for $3,000 or this Airbnb for 1000 Or making it fun, being like, hey, we don't really want to tell you, but we're super excited. Like, we did spend some money. I know we didn't talk about budget, but, you know, if you could maybe just pitch in a little bit, I think that that would be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. See, conversations and communication really is the key here. Yeah. All right, well, that ends it with the episode nine of Rotten Podcast. Talk soon. Woo. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs>